for uh, for today's message, we shall be reading from uh, Proverbs uh, chapter 12, 25, and chapter 25, 20, and chapter uh, 27, 5, 6, and 9. Proverbs 12, 25. Anxiety in a person's heart weighs it down, but a good word makes it glad. Proverbs 25, 20. Like one who takes off a garment on a cold day, or like a vinegar on soda, is one who sings songs to a troubled heart. Proverbs 27, 5, 6, and 9. Better is open rebuke than love that is concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. Oil and perfume makes the heart glad, and the person's advice is sweet. To his friend. Praise God for the reading of his word. You may now be seated. A pleasant good morning to everyone. It is good to see you here once again. We praise God for the restoration of power in our building. And we thank you for those who were trying hard and your efforts were are appreciated to those who worked hard in calling the attention of the power company to give time to us, even though they're also very busy everywhere. In the last few Sundays, we have been preaching on things related to community. It began with the taming of the tongue, the discussion on the tongue, and then we preach on dangerous whispers. And last Sunday, we preached on the title, Wise Community. And today, we speak on the first part of wisdom and friendship. We, it, we are on our series break. Our series is mainly on Hebrews. We are preaching chronologically. But every now and then, we take a break, especially if the book is highly theological. Every now and then, we go to a highly practical or or a book like Proverbs that is focused on application and practice. If you have not been listening to the series or taking notes, we suggest you go back to the previous sermons and study it carefully, especially starting with Taming the Tongue. I'm not sure if that is the exact title I gave that sermon. But then we also encourage you to be part of a growth group because after we discuss the sermon, we discuss the sermon in the growth groups either through how do we apply this on our personal context. But if it's highly theological, the groups also try to dissect it in detail because our goal is not just to hear a sermon and be encouraged. You now have fuel, spiritual fuel for one week. Our goal is to ground you in the truth. And you're only grounded in the truth once you really understand it. Not just the surface sayings, but the context, the background, the hermeneutics of, of the text. Studying what the author meant. So we encourage you to be part of a growth group. If not, just ask around. And if you don't know anybody here because you're new here, Go to our Facebook uh, page and uh, write your message 
there. And um, if you missed the sermon, one way is to go to the Facebook Metro, GCF Metronaga, our Facebook page. The other is to go to gcfnaga.com slash sermons. And you'll find there a repository of sermons of our past. And we are trying to remake even putting Exodus and Genesis there. And hopefully we can also upload all the outline we have there. So in case you need something for a teaching series, if you're starting or you want to venture in starting a small group, you have a lot of resources. And we will continue to build this resource. As I mentioned before, when we started preaching on this series, I said to you that no one could really say he has perfected this. Why? Because the one who does not sin with his tongue is a perfect man, in the sense that he is fully mature. As we grow, we sin less with our tongue. But once we are still, when we are still immature, without knowing it, we sin a lot with the tongue unknowingly. And I mentioned that we should be conscious about this because if we are not conscious, why, you will sin more. The one who is conscious, very conscious with the words they speak already feel that they make a lot of mistakes. And these are people who are conscious with their words. What more those who don't even care what they say? And we balance that out. It's not only what you say, it's also what you listen to. That, for example, gossip is like good food to eat or good to listen. I think food, if I were to give a new illustration to gossip, it's more like drugs. When a friend who is high on drugs offers another friend, and instead of rejecting it, the other friend says, oh, let me try it too. And they both become drug addicts or gossip addicts. So let me focus now on the topic for today, or the text for, the texts for today, mainly found in Proverbs, wisdom and friendship. As a community of believers, it is good to develop bonds of friendship. We all have the same Lord and Savior, and we all submit to the Holy Scriptures. What is common between us is high, wide, and deep. More than anything in the world, the world could offer. The commonalities in the world might be visual and temporal. Oh, we like the same movies or the same music. There's nothing wrong with that. But all I'm saying, if you base friendship on that, that is shallow. But if we base friendship first on the Word of God, on our Savior Jesus Christ, we need to develop bonds of friendship within our church community. Because the bond is spiritual and spiritual is eternal. As we develop friendships, may we be guided by the wisdom of Scripture and not the world. The way we should do friendship with each other should be based on the Word. The guide is the Word of God not how we experienced friendship when we were not in Christ. When we were not yet submitted to Scripture, that is not the basis. When we were not submitted to Scripture, we did what 
the world dictated what is a friend. A friend is somebody, yes, who is always there uh, with you. A friend is always there who agrees with you always, even if you, you are wrong. And we know that scripture does not advise that or does not give that uh, guideline. And of course, we know that scriptures are not just guidelines. It is the word of God. So let me go through some verses so we may see scripture as sort of a mirror on how we do friendship and how we build bonds of friendship. Now, if the New Testament, if you ask the New Testament about bonds of friendship or bonds, just bonds, being united with others, uh, the New Testament, Paul would say, what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? And he would say, do not be unequally yoked with them. Unequally yoked, meaning it's like the oxen, yoked together so that they go to the same direction. Because we are not in the same direction as them. Our direction is scriptural. It is about the gospel of Christ that we should spread all over the world. It is about living in sanctification and growing in Christ, in character, in holiness, yet knowing that we are not worthy. That only by grace we stand. We have a different way of thinking and lifestyle. Number one, a wise friend will turn his friend from anxiety because anxiety ruins a person's mind and emotions. Anxiety can lead a person to regretful actions. Sometimes short conversations filled with wisdom can remove anxiety and bring gladness. Let's read this verse again, 12.25 of Proverbs. Anxiety in a person's heart weighs it down, but the good word makes it glad. Now, the New Testament is clear here. In Philippians chapter 4, when Paul exhorted the Philippians, he said, Be anxious for nothing. For what? Nothing. Don't worry about anything. Isn't that what we do? Isn't that natural that we were? Yes, and he's telling you don't be natural. Don't be ordinary. Be a Christian. Be a true believer, which is what? Learning not to worry about anything. Because a true believer, if you allow me to theologize, the true believer believes in the sovereign God, that the God has decreed what must happen, and we trust in the power of God to execute his will. And then we trust in that will, even though seemingly that what's happening may not be in favor for us, yet we keep trusting in his will. We have studied the Old Testament enough to see that, for example, Joseph had to go through very difficult times so that God can use him to save the world. Maybe we are not Joseph's in the sense that our scale might not be to save the world, but for sure there's a purpose for every trial. Therefore, why worry? Now, if you're a friend and you're with a friend whose heart is weighed down with anxiety, of course we listen to them until, you know, sometimes you have to let them finish. I say, okay, anything else? Let them listen. They're worried about the future, most likely, or something that happened. 
they've lost someone and that is something to grieve about. But grieving is different from anxiety. There's a difference between grieving and anxiety. Anxiety is you're so concerned about what you possess and what will happen to you. Which also is, in a biblical perspective, if you have surrendered all to Jesus Christ, he who has lost everything is the one who will gain. He who tries to keep things is the one that will lose. That's the upside-down principle of Christ. The more you surrender, if you surrender all, then there's nothing to lose because you've surrendered all. So what if I lost everything I own right now? And I, perhaps you own a lot. Perhaps you, for all your life, you saved and paid, you borrowed money to buy a house, and you possess that house in your heart as yours. You're, you work so hard for it. What if you lose that? with just one typhoon. Now, if you lose that, your world is gone. For example, there I've heard stories of those who had a heart attack because his two cars, two expensive cars, were flooded. Nalubog sa tubig, inapaki sa puso. If you tie your things or your heart on those things, you will be anxious. If you tie your things on your reputation, who I am, if you still care a lot about that, then what? You will be anxious. One who has surrendered to the Lord. And say, Lord, if you give, if you take, it's up to you. But what you give me, I'll work on it because that is scriptural. That we grow what God gives us. That is scriptural. But what if he takes it? then my response should be like Job. The Lord gives, the Lord takes, then blessed be the name of the Lord. But if you worry too much, what will people say? What will people think? What are they thinking of me right now? Unnecessary burdens that will make you anxious. So what do I do to a friend like that? You listen and to find out where he is anxious. And what can I do? I will always point them to the Sovereign Lord, Christ Jesus. And then I ask them. Then, of course, I answer in a spiritual, deeply spiritual manner. But then I have to also answer in a human perspective manner. So what's the human perspective? So, so if you lose it, what are you going to do? You're going to stay in one corner and die and be depressed all your life? Or will you be like the others? According to Proverbs, there are those, the righteous would fall seven times, but they will rise up again. They keep rising up. Will you rise up? There are many who have failed and succeeded again. There are many those who have been devastated by losses, losses of loved ones, etc. Yet, they survived and they learned to thrive. So you answer in a spiritual perspective, the biblical perspective, but then you also answer in the human perspective. No, we are not secular humanists, but Proverbs is actually, there's a lot of human element here. So encourage a person. Why? Do not let them stay anxious. If they're always anxious on what they will eat, what they will drink, then teach them, please trust the Lord. Because the more you trust the Lord, 
more than your situation, the more you will be at peace. Oh, that is so true. Some, some of us think it's the end of the world. Allow me to share this story, and I am, the Lord knows my heart, this is not to lift myself up, but there's somebody approached me one time asking for money, but we smell that he's not, he's not really, he's hungry, he says, and he, has, he hasn't eaten breakfast. And, uh, you know, I had the hunch that he was in drugs just by looking at him. But how do, I, how do I answer him? Of course, the drug issue had to be addressed, and I made sure somebody addressed that, and somebody was talking to this person. But then there's this other perspective. I said, you haven't eaten breakfast. Well, do you eat breakfast often? And they said, yes, you know what? You won't die. Why? You know, you know what we should do, what we should try to do. If you feel like you are so blessed with breakfast, lunch, dinner, or even six times, two times you eat, it means you're privileged. You're blessed, yes. And sometimes the danger of not learning or not experiencing hunger and desperation, we do not hustle more, we do not work as hard compared to those, some of those who did. And it's always a concern of parents who are able to survive that. Will their children learn to hustle? So I said to him, do you know that purposely I don't eat breakfast and dinner for more than a year now? And I realized I won't die if I eat the nutritious part. I could take soup and malungai, skip all the rice, go to what is available there you see, and you know what? You won't die. You will not die. But if you're so anxious because you cannot eat three square meals a day, then I believe we have to renew our perspective. Work hard. Find a way. Ask around. Ask for what? Ask for wisdom rather than money. Well, temporarily, if you're hungry, sure, we'll give you a rice you're really hungry, but you can get malungay in the farm anytime. There's an overflow of malungay all over Bicol. You won't die. But what you need is wisdom, not just the desperation, because if somebody remains in desperation of anxiety, they don't sleep well. What's going to happen? Oh, where will I get payment for this and payment for that? You won't be able to sleep. And the more you lose sleep, the more you lose focus. And the more you lose focus, you will make more wrong decisions. So it becomes a spiral down, downward. So a friend will find a way to remove the anxiety. So what if nothing happens, then we will endure. We endure for a time, like Joseph. We endure for a time until God sees it fit. You see, this is not prosperity teaching, which is a false teaching. You know, prosperity teachers use the Bible to say everything's going to be all right. Do you know that 
everything that's a lie, if you say physically and materially, it's always like that. Now, everything's going to be all right in Christ that is true with your soul. It is well with my soul. But there are times God will allow you to encounter various trials. But don't be anxious. Let the trials pass. Just solve it. Or how can I solve this? Treat it like a, a, a math puzzle. Or a chess puzzle if you like to play chess. Treat it as a puzzle. The puzzle you put together uh, that you buy from the game shop. Treat it as a puzzle that pieces. You have to put the pieces together. Think of it that way and say, okay, this is the puzzle. This is what I have. This is what I don't have. This is what I need. How can I do that? Some of the answers are long-term, friends. Some of the answers may be building a new skill. Why? Times change. You know, times have changed gradually. The economy, the market, those who buy, the market habits change gradually, except during these kinds of times, like pandemic. It was a sudden shift. So ones that was working well as a business or your work was doing well, then suddenly it's not. But how can the next few years, rather than waste your time hoping, why not just add more skills that you can remake yourself? So these are the things I would say. And I would say, let's pray together. Let's do it together. Let's think together. Let's give advice to one another, hopefully good advice. That's why advice must be tested as well. We'll get to that, that later. So if you're my friend, my hope is to remove anxiety from you rather than feed your anxiety. If you're a good friend, you will not feed the anxiety of another. It's, I'm not saying don't comfort them. I'm saying don't feed the anxiety. There's a difference. You can still comfort them, pray with them, assure them, but then you have to tell them, find a way to remove the anxiety. And sometimes a little encouragement can do, saying, you know what? You can learn anything if you want to. Now, this is quite long term, but it is the truth. Brother Ed, I came from a background where I didn't even do a lot of studying and schooling. How It's hard for me. You know, what I believe in more is that every man was created in the image of God. And that image of God was put, was said, mentioned in the context of creation. God created the world, all the beauty in the world and the functionality in the world God created. And then he made man in his image. Within that context, I would say the image of man in us, not only the obvious that we are more rational than the animals, no, but there's enough creative power in every person. There's enough creative power in every person if they know how to think, if they know how to learn something new. May we be a church that is not anxious. When sometimes some of my children or one of my children struggle, I don't always help. Yeah, 
I take a step back and see how they will wrestle with it. And through time, they got used to it. Fathers, this is your role. Mothers, it is always to have pity and to always help. How beautiful God designed the family. Amen? Because you need someone to say, oh, come here, baby. Let me help you with that. And you need someone to say, hey, son, get up. You won't die. Get up. Walk properly. Otherwise, there will be, the father doesn't do that. They will look like the mother and act like the mother. In another term, hindi bakla binabai. Okay? Why? The mind, the emotions is so woman-like even though they're men. My heart is grieved whenever I hear men talking about others. I remember this quote. Small minds talk about other people. Average mind talk about events. Great minds talk about ideas. I expect this from everyone, but especially our brothers here. Talk about ideas. Talk about knowledge. Talk about stuff that can happen, might happen. Don't dwell so much on other people. Those are small minds, peanut minds. And there's the average mind. The bird brain. And then there's the great mind. Why dwell on so many shallow stuff? Time is so precious. Life is so precious. Now, if you're a good friend, you will not absorb the anxiety. Because <laughs> that's dangerous for your health. Yung ibang kaibigan, kala nila empathy is also to absorb the anxiety. That is not empathy. He's anxious and worried. She's anxious and worried. You listened and you're anxious and worried now too. You're not helping. Now, two of both of you are the problem now. Why? You won't be able to sleep. One of the disciplines that I've learned for, from, for leaders, especially, is the ability to empty the mind. So every now and then, I go to my quiet place and empty my mind so that I can fill it and allow myself to focus on what needs to be focused. Otherwise, you don't accomplish much. You're stretched out in different places, and then what? You can't sleep very well because you also absorb the anxiety of others. You know, I will trust God in what he's doing with you. That's why I'm not worried about you. And please don't be worried about me. I'm concerned about everyone. There's a difference. A concern is different from anxiety. I don't lose sleep because of you. Please don't lose sleep because of me. But if you want me to help you solve the problem, let's talk it out. Let's solve the problem. Let's get a whiteboard and see what's the problem, what's the issue. Let me help you there. So we put an end to it. Not just feeling and feeling and feeling. 
Number two, a wise friend will rebuke his or her friend instead of always agreeing. It may be uncomfortable, it is, but it is what wise friends do. A wise friend will receive the correction from his or her friend, even if it hurts. Let's read chapter 27, verses 5 and 6. Better is open rebuke than love that is concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. Wonderful verse. Two verses, actually. Better is open rebuke. When I say open rebuke, it is not public rebuke. It means you, you open it up. You say it to the person. You'd rather correct a person and allow the discomfort to happen rather than to keep it to yourself. And a person who does not correct you, I believe if we have a standard, a good standard, I would say that person is not really your friend. They like being with you because they can get something being with you. It's not always money. Sometimes it's the company they enjoy, that's why they like being with you. But the motive unknowingly could still be selfish. The person that is concerned with you will correct you if you have sinned. If you're doing wrong, if your way of thinking is off, that person will lovingly rebuke you rather than keep it to himself or herself. That's why, please, do not be offended if a good friend who seldom rebukes you but suddenly corrects you, you should welcome that. Of course, we don't like people who, whenever we meet them, they always correct us. Sheesh. I mean, who wants to be with that person, right? Every time you sit down, I'm always being corrected. I mean, if you, I don't want you to be my friend if you're always correcting me 100% of the time. I'm not saying that, that's not what the scripture is saying. We're saying that good friends who are there with you, who support you, encourage you, but at times would point out to you, Bro, bro, let's stop that already, okay? Then until you come to the atmosphere that you're no longer offended with each other. I have brothers here who I've been, you know, always once in a while asking because we have this program. Not really a program. It's not a program. It's like uh, an encouragement because many of us, well, some of us who... We're non-believers. We have a lot of substances that we can't let go, okay? Like cigarettes or stuff. I'm not saying it's sin, but in abuse of it, destroys the body. So we encourage people, hey, come on, lessen that or remove it totally. So we come to that point that I do not judge them because the scripture does not show it directly as a sin. If you debate with me on this, and um, please solve this. Uh, sugar is not also good for the health. White sugar. Uh, Coca-Cola isn't good, soft drinks is not good for the health. If you believe uh, that everything that is not good for the health, that is like an addiction, then also don't drink that. If you have to apply the same standard you have here to this. Otherwise, you're what you call a double standard. But it's also harmful. So I would say I'd rather be on that part, be more, allow the gray area to be gray. But if it is clearly wrong what the person is doing, then we have to tell them. 
It's as your faithful are the wounds of a friend. You'd rather have a friend rebuke you because you know it comes deep inside from something good. But if you, a so-called friend never corrects you, always makes things agreeable with you, be careful. That could be a manipulative friend. They just want to agree with you now. They show they agree with you in front of you. And then in front here, they always show they agree. They never correct you or what because they're afraid that it's for them, truth is less important. What's more important is maganda ang samahan. Samahan is now placed higher than the truth. Then in the biblical context, that is not a good friend. Deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. Sometimes an enemy, a person with impure motives will get close to you. You'd rather have somebody who could bless you and rebuke you at the same time. And you do the same, and it becomes a comfortable place talk about. There's some of you here every time we, when I was still working at reaching out to you, every now and then we would point out one or two things that need improvement in our lives. And that is important. Number three, a wise friend allows his or her friend to grieve for a season. People need to grieve, especially if a loved one passes away or there's a huge disappointment. We should not cheer a person before it is time to cheer them up. Some people think by being friendly, you never give a chance to grieve for others. And I'd like to say to you, that is not how we should do it. We have to allow our friends to grieve their loss. Let it all out. Let them grieve, then support them as they find a way to restart. It's difficult. We have friends who have lost loved ones, a husband lately. And of course we grieve with them. One time I felt like writing a poem for her. And I said, Lord, help give me the words. Because I have to show I understand the grief. That they are grieving. But let them know that I am supporting. We are supporting, me and my wife. And I believe, I praise God that after I wrote it, she said this hugged my heart very much. And... Um, It's not simple, but sometimes being with a grieving friend, you just have to be quiet. Some people can't help but talk, 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 talk. Quiet. Quiet. 
don't have to always fill the air with words. Sometimes it's just being there and waiting and saying, what do you want to do? Let them grieve. Some people overly help. You have to ask, what do you want to do? If they say, can I be alone for a while? Give them that space. But then as a friend, it cannot be too long because that is unhealthy. But you could say, I can be around and be quiet. But you can be, you can grieve by yourself. I'll just be here if you need anything. It's not always about talking that comforts people. Sometimes no words is the thing that is necessary. Or a few words. You know, some of you are very friendly and I really like being with people who are very friendly. And most people like people who are friendly. But you know that we also like should like people who are very quiet. You know why? They sin less with their tongues. So let's read the verse, verse 20, chapter 25, verse 20. Like one who takes off a garment on a cold day. Or like vinegar on soda. You, have you tried this? I don't know if you've tried this. Maybe you should try it to understand what the writer of this proverb meant. But I understand removing, removing a shirt in a cold day or your jacket or whatever. I understand that. Is what? Is one who sings songs to a troubled heart. Is one who sings songs to a troubled heart. The key is trying to understand. The key is trying to stretch our minds. It's to stretch our minds to understand how. So as a community, do you know that sometimes for pastors it is confusing to lead a church. That's why some of some pastors have a nervous breakdown because they're too attached emotionally. In the morning, they will dedicate the child. It's a happy moment. And if he is taught, as some teach pastor, to feel everything they feel, so during it's a happy moment during uh, the morning dedicating, and then sometime in the afternoon. Uh, Two good friends would say, we're getting married, and can you advise us and bless us? And it's another happy day for this pastor. But then it's not too happy because he needs to warn them if, if they're not prepared to get married. So he has to prepare them. And then in the evening, he comes to the death of a member as well. In one day, all those emotions, boom. If he does not understand that empathy is not anxiety, it is not feeling everything they feel, but rather being there to be part of what the contribution to what they need. 
for a wise friend will give good advice. This is very important. Thus, let us grow in wisdom. It is normal to seek advice from friends. It is. A friend's advice is like honey cake, sweet and comforting. But it is possible for friends to offer the wrong advice. Hopefully, we give wise counsel. Thus, friend should grow in the wisdom of his word. Now, if a friend seeks advice from you, be honest with yourself. Don't assume that you actually know everything. You know that when entrepreneurs sometimes, new entrepreneurs, they read the books, they were inspired by the speaker, and they want to start their business. And they ask advice from home. Kikumari at kikumpare na hindi negosyante. This has happened so many times. Friends, they talk to friends who have no background or experience in business. And what do friends say? Tama, pare, malakas yan tingin ko. Yung tingin niya walang value. Or little value. Hindi nga siya yung market eh. Tingin niya lang eh. So if your friend advises you for about business and you have no business background, be wise and say, I am the wrong person to ask. Why don't you ask somebody else? I can refer you. It's like you're, I'm a pastor, okay? But some people ask me about their physical health. I said, you know, I'm not the expert. I can just share to you what I heard from others. But again, that second day, secondary data, and I have not verified a lot of these things. These are just the popular things. And what is popular doesn't necessarily mean it's right. So I said, I'm not the right person, but there are things that I do if you want to learn that, but I'm not a doctor, I'm not a health expert, but I can share to you what those I consulted with, but it's better for you to consult them directly, because as I learned from one of my doctors, everybody is unique. Everybody is unique. Every literally body. Although there are some things in the body, we all have eyes, we all have lungs, we all have, and there's some things generally that work. For example, losing weight. What worked for one may not work for another, right? Oh, that is so true. Somebody advised me, just do this. So I did all that. <laughs> I was tired and, uh, and still nothing happened. Somebody said, just stop eating salt and you lose weight. I stopped eating salt and I got so much cramps. Uh, I mean, um, but this actor just uh, stopped eating salt and he had a great body. Well, I'm not that actor. And of course, that's against sound wisdom. <laughs> Friends should give good advice, and what should we do then? We have to learn the Word of God first. The Word of God. Know the Word of God so well. Or what if somebody asks you, what shall I do to be saved? What will you say? Are you going to answer them with a popular way of preaching the gospel? 
which is what? Just accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, and you're saved. Will you say that? Or will you be more accurate and uh, do what Jesus commanded? That repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be preached. And what Paul, Paul's way, when he was in a, before Agrippa, he said, everywhere I preach repentance from sin and faith towards God. They said, everywhere, that's what they did. Will you follow the more accurate scriptural or the more popular, accept Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior and you are saved? And they would quote usually Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth. But why take that verse away from the whole book of Romans? You cannot take that, lift that. Does it still mean the same thing? If you put it all in context. Yes, it is true. But that means you believe in Christ more than you believe in yourself. Believing in Christ means you believe him so much that you actually Obey him. You believe in him and no one else. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and a person's advice is sweet to his friend. Now, when do we when is the friend the best advisor? Those who know you too well to reveal your strength and your weakness. That's good with friends. If you're close enough to say, in the few years na magkasama tayo, how did you observe me? What can you say is my strength and weakness? That's good. That is so good. But if you're going to talk, to talk about more specific like career advice, please look for a career professional. Well, you can ask your friends, sure, but not, it's not as authoritative. So there are advice from friends that is good. But not everything you hear is right. So, if I ask you about how I can improve my preaching, I think I can learn from you. Why? Because you're the one listening. No, not, you're not necessarily experts at this, but as listeners, I can still learn from you. Learn from one another. Why? There's one part of our lives that we don't see, but your friends see. And that's what you have to ask. But if you turn a blind eye there, they've been telling you, you've not been listening. Then, sayang, sayang yung wisdom na makukuha mo. And some friends have been telling their friends they're just not listening. They don't want to listen. They just shut it out and try to justify themselves. Don't shut it out. Listen and listen carefully. Put it in the list. Have you asked your friends, how can we improve together in the Word of God? That's a good question in the community. Can, how can we grow together? It takes time to get to know one another. Friendship doesn't just happen. Of course, because we believe in the sovereign God. 
he will arrange things. But let's talk at the human level. Where? What do we do? If you want friends, you have to be friendly. Because somebody said to me, friends, So I asked, what do you do to be friendly? Or, you know, you feel the world is against you. Why are they not inviting me? Have you invited them? Hmm? Have you invited them? Did you invite them? Let's have lunch together. KKB. Or maybe you're inviting them, but still there, most of them are avoiding you. Then why don't you pray? Maybe there's something in your personality that needs a little adjustment. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't be afraid of that. Please don't be this kind of group. This is who I am. Accept me for who I am. That's not how Christianity works. We adjust to one another. Oh boy, if I said that to you as a congregation, this is who I am as a pastor, I will not learn, I will not adjust to this culture. It's going to be bad for us. So I have an approach where what? I have to teach people to change their minds according to the Word of God. And then there's this part that I cannot do it so fast. Why? They're used to something. And I have to take them slowly towards it, not always the fast way. So there's that part. And I have to learn stuff. Well, how do you do things here? And then, that's why it takes time to transition, to transform ourselves. We transform. The pastor transforms himself so that together they can be transformed. The Word of God is eternal. It does not change. But it's application to different cultures. The unchanging, uncompromising word is the same, but in every culture, there are changes. For example, when you say plant churches in parts of Africa, it means under the Akasha tree. That's where they meet. There are those Africans who copied the Western model, like us. We copied it. They have a building. They rent a space. But the church planting movement in Africa is under the Akasha tree. In China, it's in houses, because if they go in the public square, they will be persecuted. So it has to be like a meeting of friends, not a church service. It's still the same that we should gather to worship, but it's a different application. Our God is good. Hey, can we be friends? Can we be friends with one another? Now, if you're looking for the perfect friend, what's the answer? You won't find the perfect friend. But if you're looking for the perfect friend, maybe you're not saying that, but in your mind, that's subconsciously, that's what you're really saying. First, you be perfect first, before you look for the perfect friend. Be the perfect person first. And if you can't do that, then let us accept the weaknesses of one another and the strength of one another. And let us complement one another in our strength and weaknesses. Let us all rise. Lord, we thank you for the
the wisdom of your word. Lord, we pray, teach us to comfort our friends who are anxious, but also to encourage them to stop their anxiety. Of course, it is difficult when one is so used to anxiety that they don't know how to live. As friends, use us to teach them. For anxiety can ruin relationships. Anxiety-based child-raising, anxiety-based marriages don't work. Rather, teach us to trust you and not be afraid to be at peace no matter what, that there may be peace and harmony, to trust in your will rather than the fear of what might happen. Teach us to receive correction from our friends humbling ourselves, and as friends, may our standard only be the word, not religious tradition, not even church tradition, that when we rebuke, it is clearly what Scripture says as sin, not what we think sin is, but what is explicit. Teach us to advise our friends to be with the right people, not to be influenced with those who have not surrendered themselves to you, but rather to influence them with the gospel. Teach us to be wise when our friends grieve, that we may encourage, that we may give the right word, or maybe just be there and say nothing, but show with their actions our support. Make us all wiser. Your word said the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Teach us to fear you and teach us to be knowledgeable in your word, Lord. Wake us up. Enough is the time of Christian cliches that all we know are sayings and cliches. But allow us to really root ourselves, to read your word, understand and study it in its context. To recognize what is false teaching and what is correct based on the word that we may mature and we gather as friends may we trust our friends as well may we be trustworthy as well oh Lord we pray among the bonds of friendship we form may it be submitted under you May our friendships not be like the world. May the center of friendship be Christ. And our mission, our mission to preach the gospel. May it be about the community of believers. May it be about the things of God more than the things of the world. Thank you, Lord. Make us a strong community, O Lord. A community that will endure all the hardships. 
May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit be with you all. God's people softly say, Amen. God bless you.